Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Amen. Well, I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad that you've joined us online. Thank you, worship team. Amazing, as always, even in a pinch. Uh, I, this morning, the first service, it was like, we're the mighty three, and I just love it, you know, so they're great, great team. So I'm glad that you've joined us here in person and also online, and uh, I've been praying and believing that God's going to speak to all of us today, praying and believing that you've come expecting God to speak to your heart and do something special in your life. I believe it's going to do it today. So here's the deal. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation or in a conversation where you knew that you were not getting all of the details of the story? You knew that there was something missing. Those of you who are parents, you're like, amen. Maybe even this morning, not in our household, uh, but maybe, maybe for you this morning, there was something that happened and you didn't know what happened, you didn't know all the details, all you knew is that there was what? There was something, and there was more to the story. There was more. Well, we're in this series, we started it last week, called There Is More. And uh, last week, we uh, talked about how if we can get this one thing right, what is the one thing that as a church, that if we get right, would change everything? And it's this, number one, we start out as being a disciple of Jesus, and the second is that we would be a discipler. And that's what God has called his church to, to be, is for each of us to be disciples and to be part of the disciple-making process in the life of others. And I said last week, none of us get a pass. And so if you've missed any of the last week's messages, I would encourage you to go on crosspointwaverly.com or find us on YouTube or Spotify and listen or watch along with those services. In this series, we're diving into the more of the story. And uh, the first step, again, is for us to become a disciple of Jesus and then to make disciples. And, uh, and we can't skip that process. We can't reproduce who we're not, right? So it would be impossible for us to reproduce disciples of Jesus if we've not first become a disciple of Jesus ourselves. Each of us have that responsibility to be a disciple maker. In the final moments of Jesus's life, he gives us this great commandment. He says to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and to make what? Disciples. To make disciples. That was strong. I'm just going to let you know, 8.30 service was a little more awake than, than you all, so I'm going to give you a second opportunity. Jesus said to go into all the world and make what? Disciples. disciples. That's right. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we recognize as followers of Jesus that the cross and the empty tomb is not the end of the story. The cross and the empty tomb is not the end of the story. There was more, and there's still so much more for us today. So today we're going to dive through a number, uh, or look into a number of different passages. And so I would just encourage you, grab your phones out, take notes. Some of you are like, well, I don't want people to think I'm on Facebook or texting during service. Who cares what people think? And so I just encourage you, take your phone out, take notes, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper. We're going to look at a number of passages. And my encouragement to you is this. 
that today that you would hear what the Holy Spirit would want to speak to your heart. But then from here, you would take those notes and you would go study for yourself and see what the Holy Spirit wants to speak even further through those verses. And as always, it'll be online if you want to go back and re-listen to it. So in the beginning of the book of Acts, Luke references a previous uh, passage that he had written in Luke chapter 24, verse number 44. And this is what he said about Jesus. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus commanded them to wait for this promise, and the promise was the Holy Spirit. And we wouldn't have to accomplish, he, he told the disciples that they wouldn't, and we don't have to accomplish this great commission that Jesus has given to his church in our own strength and in our own power because there's more. It's like The Price is Right. How many of you have ever watched The Price is Right? And they show this showcase, and then what do they do? But wait, there's more. You get a new car. Yeah! You know, everybody erupts. So, like, we recognize as followers of Jesus that the cross and the empty tomb is not the end of the story. There's so much more, and it's better than a new car, and it's better than a different uh, element of a showcase. Instead, it's an amazing gift that God has given to us, which is the Holy Spirit. And he told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift of the Father. There was more that Jesus wanted the disciples to experience then, and there's more that God wants us to experience today. So throughout this series, I want to introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to meet the Holy Spirit, and I want you to experience all that he has for you. Jesus had given the disciples this mission, but then he told them to wait. And I don't know how you're wired, but I'm wired to go, not to wait. And so I'll just tell you, how I'm wired. If you say, let's go somewhere, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hop into my truck. I'm going to close the door. I'm going to fasten the seatbelt. I'm going to start the truck up. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to go. But I know some of you aren't wired like me. Some of you are going to take a little more time to go to your vehicle, to open the door, to get into the vehicle, to put the seatbelt on, to start the vehicle, <laughs> and then at some point you might go, right? When, when I am faced with a task, please don't be offended. If that's you, I'm sorry if I just offended you. I'm just saying that we're all wired differently. Some are wired to go and some are wired not to go. And so when we look at a task, if you say, hey, we need to do this. I'm wired. Let's do this task. Let's get it done. I don't need to stand around and look at it or talk about it with you. Instead, let's just get it done. And what I know is that our church is filled with people who have this let's go spirit. Because anytime we've done anything here, there's been a group of people who've come together uh, to do it. And so here's what I know, is that Jesus has told these disciples that he is going to die and that he is going to be raised to life, and he tells it in the same way that he tells it is the way that it happens. And now he gives this great commission to the disciples to go into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they've got this great commission, 
And how many know if Jesus has just done the impossible, he's done the very thing that he said he was going to do, and he tells you to go do this, you're not going to want to stand around and wait and talk about it. Instead, the fire is hot. Let's go. Let's do it. But instead, Jesus gave them this, uh, this instruction to wait. And so uh, they think they're ready to go, but he told them to wait. And Jesus told them to wait, not because the mission wasn't crit critical. He told them to wait because he wanted them to be successful. He knew that there was more that he wanted to give to them. And so the Holy Spirit was so critical in the mission that he told them not to even start, not to even lift a finger on the Great Commission until they had received the Holy Spirit. And if the person of the Holy Spirit was so important to the mission then, how much more is the person of the Holy Spirit in the mission today? Amen? So this morning, we're going to look more at, at what Jesus promised, and most specifically, we're going to look at the gift that the Father promised, which is the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to know, maybe some of you wake up each day and you gauge yourself spiritually uh, where you're at. Uh, I would not encourage you to do that because it would just lead to pride or disillusionment. But if, hypothetically, you gauge your spiritual walk, and uh, I just want to say to you this morning that no matter where you're at in your spiritual walk, that there's always more. There's always more. I was recently at an event where Andy Stanley, uh, a pastor, uh, was speaking and he told this story about his 88-year-old father, which is Charles Stanley. Maybe some of you know both of their names. They've uh, done a tremendous amount for the kingdom of God uh, for decades. And his father looked at Andy Stanley and he said, I just really wish that, that I could find somebody who's just a little further ahead of me that I could call and ask for advice. And Andy, I'm sure as respectfully as he possibly could, said to him, Dad, there is nobody in the planet who, is as, who has accomplished as much as you Furthermore, anybody who, he, he said, uh, anybody who maybe has, has since passed away or they retired 20 years ago. And he said, you're it. There's no more. Well, can I just tell you that God has always been, he is, and he will forevermore be. And so he's our source. We don't have to look to the next human that's out there a little further in front of us. We can always go to the source, and he has not uh, run out. And so his knowledge, his grace, and his gifts have not been exhausted, and he's still dishing out all of that to us today. We just got to go to the source. And so who's the Holy Spirit and what are his roles in our lives? I grew up in a church that talked about the Holy Spirit frequently. We were comfortable talking about it. We had Sunday night services where there were extended opportunities for prayer at the end of service. And I would go to camps and conventions where the Holy Spirit was talked about and, uh, and more prayer would happen. And at least one of the nights at camp or convention was focused on the Holy Spirit and his role and impact in our lives. I'm also aware that some of us in this room have grown up in traditions where the Holy Spirit is never talked about, completely ignored. Some faith traditions treat the Holy Spirit like a crazy uncle who shows up at Thanksgiving and is like, I hope nobody runs into him today because who knows what he's going to say and who knows what he's going to do. A few years ago, I came across this book called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. I highly recommend it. It's a great book, The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. And I loved his approach to the Holy Spirit, and I love the fact that he used common, accessible language to talk about the Holy Spirit. And in this room, there might be some people who, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, there's interest and intrigue for you. Because maybe for you, this is your first time uh, to our church or in a church setting like this, and you're like, who is this Holy Spirit? I, I want to know more about him. 
also aware that there might be some of you who uh, maybe because of uh, bad experiences or some confusion or you've experienced wrong doctrine that's been taught on this that, uh, that maybe today there's a wall that goes up and maybe you've experienced some weird things and you're like, so immediately you've just shut down. Can I just encourage you that over the next few moments that you wouldn't shut down but that you would engage in this? Robert Morris in addressing this piece of it has this paragraph in his book that when I read it, I was like, yes, that's, that's amazing. And so here it goes for you. He says, I'm convinced that one of Satan's primary strategies for keeping people from experiencing all the amazing help and benefits that come from a relationship with the Holy Spirit is to convince us that doing so will make us weird, really weird. Hmm. He says, of course, Satan has a lot of help in reinforcing that lie. The world has its share of truly eccentric people, and some of them, he says, are, quote, spirit-filled Christians. He says, but here's a newsflash. They were weird before they were filled with the Spirit. That's just who they are. He said, they'd be weird if they had never been saved and had pursued coin collecting. Instead, they would just be wacky coin collectors. I love it. We recognize the Holy Spirit is a full and equal member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not a force, a thing, or an it. And there doesn't seem to be near the confusion when it comes to God the Father or God the Son. And so I think that's why it's important this morning as we talk about the Holy Spirit that we lay this foundation. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19, we've mentioned it already this morning, lists the three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Go therefore and make what? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? They're listed in that passage. Some of you might be surprised to find out that the Holy Spirit is mentioned actually at the very beginning of the Bible. So the first book in the Bible is Genesis, and Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2, uh, mentions the Holy Spirit. So here it goes in verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was filled without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. The Holy Spirit has been here from the beginning. John Bevere wrote a book called The Holy Spirit and Introduction, The Holy Spirit and Introduction, and I would encourage you to read that book as well. But he created a list of verses and attributes of the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And I just thought it would be appropriate this morning, especially for maybe those of you who are new uh, with the subject of the Holy Spirit, to just realize some of these characteristics. And so, again, feel free to take notes, write these down. And I'm so grateful for Fisher and for Nick Bowman up in the, uh, in the booth who got these verses imported so that we could read along with them. But... Uh, first is Romans chapter 8, verse number 27, tells us that the Holy Spirit has a mind. In verse number 27 of Romans chapter 8, it says, And he who searches hearts knows what is, in the mind, what knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Secondly, the Holy Spirit has a will. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 11, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he what? Wills. Next, he has emotions. He has emotions such as love and joy. Romans chapter 15, verse number 30 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. 
There are other emotions and, and, and attributes we see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. I referenced this last week. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And I love that last line. Against such things there is no law. Next, we see that the Holy Spirit comforts. In Acts chapter 9, verse number 31, it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. We know that the Holy Spirit speaks. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says that the Holy Spirit speaks clearly. And so it says, now the Spirit ex expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and, uh, and teachings of demons. The next, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 13, we see that the Holy Spirit teaches. He says, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The Holy Spirit can be made to feel sorrow. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 29, says that the Holy Spirit can be insulted. It says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Next to last, he can be resisted. Acts chapter 7, verse number 51 says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Oh, I pray that for our entire church that that would never be a verse that would describe us. That we would not be so stubborn and, and be unwilling for all that the Holy Spirit has for us. Finally, we can see that the Holy Spirit can be lied to. In Acts chapter 5, I'll read verses 3 and 4 here in just a minute. But in Acts chapter 5, there's this couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And they've sold a piece of ground, and they've come to the disciples, and they said, uh, here, we've sold this piece of property, and everything from that piece of property we're giving to you. And that was not true. Instead, they had held back some of it for themselves. Nobody required them to give all of that. Instead, uh, they made that decision to do that and to portray what they portrayed. And in verse number three, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? He says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart and you have not lied to man but to God? These verses outline that the Holy Spirit is not a force, the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a member of the Godhead. And here's the crazy thing, is he wants and desires a relationship with us. And so I want us to take the remainder of this time this morning to look at a couple of passages where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives. And I'm just going to give you a heads up. This is a series. And so last week it started. Today I'm talking about some more. And so there might be some of you who, who leave today going, I really wish he would have talked about this, or I really wish he would have talked about that. Can I tell you what the title of this series is? 
there's more. That's right. And so uh, there's more. But today we're going to focus on the person of the Holy Spirit and his role in our life. In John chapter 14, verse number 15, we're going to camp out here for just a moment today. So I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles there. John chapter 14, verse number 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus begins this passage saying, if you love me, you will obey me and you'll keep my commandments. We talked about last week that obedience to God is required as followers of Jesus. It's not optional. In fact, as followers of Jesus, it should be our desire to walk in obedience to God. It should not be our desire to, to displease him. And so he says that he will ask the Father and give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. When we think about this idea of an advocate, an advocate is somebody who supports somebody publicly or they fight for. And so as we look at the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit supports us publicly and fights for us. The Holy Spirit is a help to us, and Jesus gives us the length of time that the Holy Spirit will be with us. He says the Holy Spirit will be with us for how long? Forever. Okay, so now you know the answer. Now you know the answer. The Holy Spirit will be with us for how long? Forever. He wasn't just a helper for the New Testament church. He's the helper for us today. And he says that the world did not see the Holy Spirit or recognize the Holy Spirit, nor did they want to. And the reason why the world doesn't want to recognize or see the Holy Spirit is because it, if, if they accepted the Holy Spirit, it would lead to life transformation. And some people would desire to live in the lifestyle that they're currently living in of sin than to walk in obedience to God. And so that's why they don't see or recognize the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said to the disciples, he says, but you know the Holy Spirit and he lives in you and will be in you. We know that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We know the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus, and he dwells in us. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. We've looked at who the Holy Spirit is. Now I want us to look at his role in our life. And, and so as we're back in John chapter 14, we're going to skip down to verse number 25. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And Jesus said to the disciples that the Holy Spirit would teach them all things and bring back to remembrance all the things that Jesus had said to them. And the Holy Spirit still serves as our helper today, and he continues to teach us things and remind us of the teachings of Jesus. He teaches us by helping us understand the Bible. As we read the Bible, there are times where the Holy Spirit will make something clearer to us that we haven't understood. Maybe for some of you, you've been reading your Bible your entire lives, and all of a sudden you'll come across a verse, and you'll see something that you've never seen before, and you're like, I know that I've read this page before. I know that I've read this passage before. But the Holy Spirit, in that moment, for whatever reason, at that time, illuminates that passage in such a way that teaches you and shows you something different. 
There are other times when we come across passages of Scripture that maybe it's difficult for us to understand, but yet the Holy Spirit helps us to understand it. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. I love how when I'm in conversations with people and maybe somebody's needing some help with, with something that the Holy Spirit will quicken a verse to my heart and I don't know exactly where to find it in the Bible and I might not even know the full verse but there will be this phrase that will come along and here's what I know is that technology has been bad for society in all kinds of ways. But I also know that technology has been a tremendous help in advancing the gospel. There are places around the world where the gospel is being preached, where it's prohibited for the gospel to be preached, but for technology, it's happening. There are times where even some of you right now who aren't able to be in person are able to leverage the technology right now to join us in this service. I'm grateful for technology. I'm also grateful that in those moments where the Holy Spirit quickens a word into my heart that I know is in the Bible, that even though I don't know exactly where it's at, I can take that phrase that I know and I can type that into a search engine, and within a matter of less than a fraction of a second, that verse will pop up, and I can see it. The Holy Spirit helps bring back things into our remembrance that Jesus has taught. And John chapter 16 talks about a couple of other roles that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. In John chapter 16, verse number 5, Jesus says, But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And Jesus is telling the disciples Bye for now. He's given them this great task, and then he's like, all right, I'm going to leave. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have been a disciple in that moment. Furthermore, in verse number seven, Jesus tells them that it's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus tells the disciples that it's to his advantage that he goes away. I can't even make sense of that, right? How in the world could Jesus give this great commission He's been training them, he's been developing them, and now he's deploying them, and now in the process of all of that, he's saying, he's saying, yep, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send somebody else, and it's going to be to your advantage. How many know sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks things to us that don't make sense? But here's what I know about the disciples, is the disciples had just seen a man predict his own death and resurrection in the same way that he said it was going to happen is the way that it happened. And so even though the disciples in that moment might not have been able to understand how Jesus going away would be their to their advantage, he had to trust them. He had to trust Jesus. And I think the same is true in our lives, that there are going to be times when we just get a glimpse. We don't see the full picture. And the Holy Spirit is going to speak things to our life, and we're going to have to go back to what that song talked about this morning, the faithfulness of God. And realize that even though we don't see the full picture now, that we can trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been, uh, uh, is, had been their helper. Jesus had been their helper. He walked with them. He taught them, modeled for them, publicly supported them, loved them, reminded them of his words. And now says that the helper is going to come and it's going to be to your advantage. And here Jesus is interrupting all that they knew. 
All that they had known was walking with Jesus and accomplishing this task, but they knew that Jesus was trustworthy. And so uh, Jesus goes on to say that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of sin. Conviction of sin is a good thing. It's the thing that draws people to realize that they need to see a Savior. And so there's this internal beacon inside all of us that when we sin and we do something wrong, that alerts us and lets us know. And that's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction in our lives. And he said the Holy Spirit will convict of sin it would, and, and convict or convince us of righteousness, which talks about our standing with God. And the reason why we can have right standing with God is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so the Holy Spirit came to convince us that through the blood of Jesus, we can have right standing with him. And so often the enemy would want to try to convince us otherwise. And that's why it's important for us to know who's the truth teller and who's the liar. And we know that God tells the truth and that the enemy is a liar. And many of you have heard me talk about the difference between conviction and condemnation, and I just think it, it never hurts to continue to talk about it. Conviction is an incredible gift from the Holy Spirit. It's what tells us, alerts us, we've done something wrong, we need to confess that to God for forgiveness and, and experience that forgiveness from, from God. Condemnation is when we've already asked God to forgive us for something in our past. We've laid it at the foot of the cross. Condemnation is what a tool of the enemy that he would use to say, you're never good enough, you're never going to be a follower of Jesus, you could never be a follower of Jesus, you could never be a good father, you could never be a good husband, you could never be a good mother or a good wife, you could never, never, never because of this, and all of these are things that you've laid down at the foot of Jesus. Condemnation is not from God. And so I just want to tell those of you who are here today and you're experiencing conviction, you know that there's unrepentant sin in your life, you know that there's something not right and you're experiencing it and you're feeling it and maybe some of you, you're feeling it for the very first time. I beg you, do not leave this room this morning without addressing that sense that you have. Don't leave this morning without confessing your sins to God and allowing him to forgive you. Those who are experiencing condemnation for things that you've already asked Jesus to forgive you for, I just want to tell you today, that's not coming from God. That's coming from the enemy. And so I hope that today you'll even say this prayer, God, I pray that your voice, that the voice of the Holy Spirit would be louder than the voice of the enemy in this situation. And that you would hear clearly and you would be able to discern the difference. The final piece that Jesus said was the Holy Spirit would convict or convince the world in regards to judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts us of this truth by convincing us that the former ruler of the world, Satan, has been judged and kicked out. Robert Morris said about this verse, he says, the Holy Spirit comes to convince us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But many people interpret these verses to mean the Holy Spirit's basic message is, you're a horrible person. God is mad at you, and he's going to get you. That's not the Holy Spirit's ministry at all. In fact, that's Satan roles, Satan's role. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. He says, if you allow him, Satan will keep you feeling unworthy of God's acceptance and unwelcome in his presence by reminding you of every time you've blown it. The Holy Spirit was sent to make us aware that we're lost and in need of Jesus to lead us to him then to persuade us that we are in right standing with God through him, and finally to fill us with a conviction that Satan is a defeated enemy who no longer has authority over us. I love it. I think it's wonderful. 
And we come back to this idea of conviction of sin. I ran into somebody in between services who was telling me about a family member who's not following Jesus right now. And I said, you know what to do? You know to pray. And so I would just encourage you, as you think of lost family members, co-workers, friends, that you would pray that the spirit of conviction would be upon them, that they would sense that what they're doing is wrong. So often as followers of Jesus, we just want to preach truth to people, right? We want to tell them this is the right thing to do and to do it. And sometimes that might work. But I'm just telling you 100% of the time that when the Holy Spirit brings conviction upon the life of someone who's far from them and the gospel is then presented, that it's much more effective. And so what we need to do is pray that a spirit of conviction would be upon people. Finally, this morning, I want to look at one more way that the Holy Spirit is our helper. In John chapter 16, verse number 13, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is our guide. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. There are many ways that the Holy Spirit guides us. One way is by helping us discern what's true and what's not true. How many know that we need the Holy Spirit to guide us into what's true and what's not true? Those of you who are parents are like, amen, like, Lord, help me discern what's true and what's not true. Those of you who are not with your head in the sand in our world today are like, God, please help me discern what's true and what's not true. The Holy Spirit can also guide us in what to say and what not to say in conversations. For many of you, I've prayed as you've gone into difficult situations that God would give you the words to say, right? That there would be things that the Holy Spirit would prompt into your heart, things that there's no way that you would even know about it, but yet God would just give you the right words to say in that moment. The Holy Spirit can guide us to uh, supernaturally reveal what's ahead. He can show us things that even though we can't see it in the natural, we see in the next steps. One of the things that happened early uh, in our church that many of you will be able to relate to and remember this story is we started out in a small room. There was a pole like right here. And so some of you had the privilege of not having to look at me, nor could I see you in the service because the pole was right there in the way. For the rest of you, you're, you're like, oh man, I wish I'd have sat there. Um, but but we, filled that, we filled that room out. And I vividly remember the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaking to our leadership team that that, that room wasn't going to be big enough for us anymore. And so we took a step of faith and we moved into what seemed like the biggest room on the entire planet. And there was this fear of what if people don't come back? But they did, they kept coming. And I remember going into a board meeting on a Saturday morning and I said, man, clearly we can't see this. There's not been an email list of people saying, hey, 100 more people are going to show up next Sunday than this Sunday, right? Like there was, there was no way to know in the natural, but there's a sense from the Holy Spirit. And I said, man, I just sense that God's about to do something and we need to be ready for it. And so that Saturday, because again, like when we see a task, we just jump in and we do it. We don't need to stare at it for a while. And so uh, Dave Shudnick, uh, we call the landlord and we say we need more space. And he's like, cha-ching, yes, you can have it. And uh, <laughs> more space equals more money. Yeah, take as much as you want. And so uh, Dave Shudnick runs home, grabs a sledgehammer, and starts knocking away at one of the walls. And, uh, and so that Sunday morning, 
I kid you not, we showed up into this, what then was an enormous room, and there was standing room only. Standing room only. And not because of any natural talents or abilities or giftings that I had or the leadership team had. I was able to look out at everybody and say, you know what, we're so glad you're here. We knew you were coming. And we prepared for this moment. In fact, on your way out, when you walk down the hallway, look into this room, they've already started knocking down the wall. And two weeks from now, we'll be into that space. And so I'm just telling you that the Holy Spirit is our guide. Right? He can show us things that, that in the natural we can't see. And even as we talk about this idea of the Holy Spirit guiding us into what's true and what to say and what not to say, I've been off of social media for the last six weeks. I'm sure I'll go back on at some time, but I'm just telling you, like, it's, free, it's freeing and refreshing to not be on it. But as followers of Jesus, can we lean into the Holy Spirit with our social media activity? Right? Can, as, we, as we scroll through social media, can we pray, Holy Spirit, would you please help me discern what's true and what's not true? Amen. Now, amen. Thank you. I'll keep preaching. Uh, <laughs> Holy Spirit, as I engage in posts or in whatever dialogue, if, is that what you call it, shouting on social media, uh, could you please give me the words to say and the words not to say. Finally, the Holy Spirit, as he guides us, can open doors and close doors. And so I just encourage you as you go through any season of life, any major purchase, any major decision, that your prayer would be, God, would you open up the doors that need to be open and would you close the doors that need to be closed? I pray as I wrap up this morning that you're convinced of the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life that you've been introduced or you've been informed or reminded of who he is and the role in your life and that today you'll say, Holy Spirit, I want everything that you have for me. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who've come in today or you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. You say, today I need to enter into a relationship with him. Maybe for some of you, you felt that conviction of the Holy Spirit today. And you're like, I want to be in right standing with God. I want to confess my sins to him today and be made new. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. And you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. Are there others this morning? You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Let's stand all across this room. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to repeat that prayer after me. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning, I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king, take over every area, 
take over every aspect and help me from this day forward to live for you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raise your hand today, I would encourage you to text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Before we wrap up our service today, the worship team is going to lead us in another song. We invited the prayer team to come forward, and they've come today expecting and believing that whatever need that you have in your life, that God is going to meet that need today. And so in just a moment, the worship team is going to begin to lead out in this next song. And I would encourage you, whatever need that you've come with today, that you would step out from your seat today and that you would have somebody pray with you. The other thing is this, that maybe some of you will step out of your seat today and say, I want all that the Holy Spirit has for me. I don't know what that means today. I don't even know what I'm saying, but I want all that the Holy Spirit has for me. And you just want to make that commitment and that step and have someone pray for you today. I'd encourage you to step out even now as the worship team begins to lead us. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.